This is your Planet News Briefing. I'm John Chu. And I'm Ralph Forgen. Our main story coming up is all about the top 10 tips to reduce your carbon footprint. We talk about this article by Roger Harbin, an uh, environmental uh, analyst from BBC News. Awesome. But first, your Planet News headlines for this week. All right, in politics news this week, Axios reports Prince Charles leads global meeting on climate change and economy. So this is an interesting article. I'm just going to pop through uh, the, some bit, the bits of it here because it's pretty short, but uh, check it out for more detail. So basically what's going on is this is an online event hosted by His Royal Highness Charles, Prince of Wales, and Klaus Schwab, who is the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. So some big hitters here and some even, you know, some even incredible guests as well for this online meeting. Um, so what are they saying? The meeting will see various guests from the public and private sector make contributions on how we can achieve a great reset of our global economic system in the post-COVID era. So this will be interesting because they are, will you know, address climate issues here, uh, but it is being kind of pushed down towards the, towards the bottom of the list. Uh, with with economy on top. However, it would be great to see, you know, if, if any of these economy uh, talks include kind of the green green resets as well, right? Have we talked like we've talked about in the past in terms of uh, putting in green infrastructure to help kind of boost the economy as well. Yeah, interesting uh, Zoom call to bomb basically. <laughs> How did we get invited to this? Because this yeah, would right. be a fly on a wall, like just let's find let's find the Zoom password for that one. What is Prince Charles's qualifications for this? I mean, I know the whole family has diplomat, right? I mean, yeah. he he's someone that can bring all these people together on a on a call, right? That's that's what his that's what his qualifications are, right? And that's that's great, great thing to do. That's true. He at one point he had COVID nineteen, he had the coronavirus, didn't he? But uh, no, that's that's excellent news. Uh, hopefully, that goes out well, and some actual impact comes from it. Definitely. Uh, so in business news this week, BlackRock, which we talked about before, they're being accused of climate change hypocrisy. So uh, they've been accused of double standards after it refused to back landmark environmental resolutions at two big Australian oil companies just months after the world's largest asset manager warned climate uh, change and global warming represented a risk to markets, unlike any other previous crisis. So... Yeah, we've, we've talked at length. We actually dedicated a whole episode to, to BlackRock, um, I think, or BlackRock amongst other uh, institutions that are doing well uh, for the environment. But uh, they're in the news here in a bad light. So basically, the $6.5 trillion, which is $6.5 to $7 trillion, I think, um, really, this fund manager's, um, yeah, the, the fund manager's voting record at annual meetings has been closely scrutinized following you know, their chief executive, Larry Fink's uh, letter to companies in January, which is when we did an episode on them, where he announced basically that BlackRock would be putting sustainability at the heart of his investment process and argue that climate change could lead to a fundamental reshaping of finance. Uh, but since that time and more recently, campaigners argue that the asset manager was paying lip service to tackling climate change after it voted against resolutions calling for Woodside Energy and Santos, basically those two big Australian oil companies, um, to set targets in line with the Paris Climate Agreement, which aims to limit global temperature mm. rise and to disclose their lobbying. 
That's great. That's a great catch. That's definitely the, the, the kind of things that would need to be watched, right? And this is what we said back then as well. Like, okay, yeah, it's great that they're saying this. Now it's just about watching to see what their actual actions are. And here we go. Here's an interesting line. I mean, we got, well, it'd be interesting to see, obviously, their side of it to see what, why they did that. But um, it'll yeah, probably it, be the case that, oh, we didn't want to take that strong of action yet. It got me thinking about, and this is the same concern with most corporate, um, you know, social responsibility type of stuff, right? It got me thinking about our Fang episode as well, you know, Microsoft um, mm-hmm. as, as well, right? All these, these, you know, tech companies are doing so much on paper, but what are they doing in reality? And what kind of hypocrisy is this within them as well? It's a tough one. Yeah, definitely. Well, <clears throat> in tech news this week, PV uh, Magazine reports tackling climate change with machine learning. So this is a, um, a magazine that's kind of dedicated to solar. So this is kind of a solar focus. But some interesting points in here about how they're looking at machine learning to basically improve the solar industry. So solar with machine learning can be used to forecast solar and wind power production, as well as electricity demand. So this can, you know, these forecasts can then be sold to electricity suppliers or power system operators to help them more efficiently balance the power grid. Additionally, machine learning can accelerate scientific discovery in solar cells and how those cells are are made for better efficiencies. And lastly, it could reduce solar installation costs, which actually is a huge cost, you know, in terms of of making solar viable, right? So it can predict um, roof age using machine learning and satellite imagery. Uh, And this technique is aimed at reducing non-hardware soft costs, costs, as what it's called in the industry, of, of rooftop solar. So apparently soft costs account for 60% of the total cost of solar in the US. So this is, they're using yeah, these imagery and machine learning to understand where can these solars actually be placed? Because in the past, what they've been doing is actually kind of having to go out there and do assessments without machine learning. And that's just an expensive activity that, that doesn't need to happen, essentially. Yeah, I mean, this is a must, right? Like using disruptive technologies like machine learning and you know, AI drones, especially, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, hardware software um, and tackling climate change. It, you can't tackle climate change without the assist of those type of technologies. This is really yeah. interesting. Hopefully, I mean, it's, hopefully it's happening already at a large scale because machine learning is very ubiquitous now. It's, it's in the lives of everybody and not everybody, but it's in the lives of a lot of people and the technologies that, that they use and it needs to be more integrated with climate change to fight against it for sure all right so in science news this week climate change will bring bigger swings in european summer temperatures so it really is starting to feel like summertime here um, in the uk and all around europe all around the world except for australia and that part of the the world i guess uh, where it's not it's winter time there isn't it uh but so let's just uh you know in anticipation of summer temperatures uh, even though we're not likely not going to be traveling like we do normally because of COVID-19. Um, so just a bit about the predictions um, and around this summer and climate change. So physics.org reports that um, summers in Europe will feature more unusually cooler days as well as hotter days. 
in the future due to climate change. So this is new research uh, revealed this week. Uh, and while more extreme temperatures and higher average temperatures have long been predicted by scientists, there's a team at the University of Reading in the UK that have now carried out the most sophisticated study ever to fill in the gaps about how global warming will actually influence summer and winter temperatures in the Northern Hemisphere. So they found basically that the likelihood of temperatures rising above or falling below average would not be affected in the same way um, in different seasons and regions. Interesting. Coming up, our main story, top 10 tips to reduce your carbon footprint for yield. Awesome. So this one is uh, basically, as mentioned at the top of the show, um, BBC released um, a really good article this week. Um, and it's basically the, you know, a renewed version or new studies that kind of review the top 10 tips on how to reduce you how to reduce your co2 and we are just going to talk through one of the illustrations in the article we'll link it in the show notes but um yeah it's just one of the images that we'll, we'll talk through it's called the top options for reducing your carbon footprint average reduction per person in tons of co2 equivalent cool what's the worth what's the first one was what is uh, should we do should we go back to front or front to back let's do Start with 10 and go to one or, or start with number one? Let's do 10 to one. Yeah. Okay, so what is, what is number 10? Number one being the, the best thing you could do and number 10 being the 10th best thing you could do. We'll start with 10, right? Yeah. So for 10, what do we have? Renewable-based heating. So this is, uh, out of the top 10, this is the least, um, I guess, favorable uh, for reducing your carbon footprint. So uh renewable based heating meaning you're at home and you know uh and it's too much of time and you're trying to heat up your your home and you want to find an alternative to your typical um i guess gas based system maybe you want electricity powered by some renewable source that's actually the one that's proven to be the least effective out of the top 10 ways to reduce your carbon footprint so we're talking about 0 0.64 uh, tons of CO2 equivalent per person annually is how much you're saving. Interesting one. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of options here, especially in London where you can go to like Octopus Energy, Bulb, Ovo, and, and switch to them as a, as a um, you know, heating provider in terms of, especially if you're ever using electricity um, or anything like, you know, especially if you're using electricity. But then they will, you know, use renewable energy to do yeah. that. Interesting one. I mean, it's still still on the list, so definitely consider it. Yeah, I mean, you should definitely try to try to do everything you can. Uh, but it's just interesting as we go through this list, uh, some things you're not going to think about as being more effective than the other or less effective than mm -hmm. the other. The next one, number nine, is um, improved cooking equipment. So. Interesting. This is an interesting one. I didn't really under, I didn't really know about, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, that just seems like I actually never thought about cooking equipment to improve your carbon footprint. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, just, it's just gonna be more efficient, right? So you have less energy needed basically to cook food. Yeah. So obviously it depends on how much you're cooking, but right now this is a, this is a good one for, you know, people that are cooking more during these times. Um, 
yeah, look at, check out your uh, cooking equipment to make sure if it's, you know, uh, yeah. climate, climate friendly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, there's, um, that, there's a lot of things out there, like different pots and pans that will heat up much faster than others and spread out the heat amongst, you know, the surface of the pot or pan. So there, there is a whole science behind this and it's worth looking into, but um, in terms of, you know, where it places in the top 10 options for reducing your carbon footprint is near the bottom of the list is number nine. It's quite similar in terms of um, actual CO2 equivalent per person per year. So 0.6, quite similar to the renewable phase heating, so 0.65. Um, but going to number seven is heat pump. So what do you know about heat pumps? Number eight is heat pump. Heat so uh, we're at, eight, eight, yeah sorry number eight. <laughs> um, eight um so yeah i was just looking at like what is a heat pump but i was looking at it's basically like um any type of hvac system so um it seems like kind of a, a heating or or possibly even um air conditioning system for your home so yeah that that's coming in at just um point seven nine carbon footprint um, or tons uh, of CO2 equivalent per person annually. Cool, what, what about um, seven here? Number seven, it surprised me, uh, is the vegan diet. I thought that when you go vegan, that's one of the top three things you can do, but apparently it ranks as number seven here and amongst the top 10. So uh, 0.8, tons of CO2 equivalent per person annually, if you go vegan in terms of uh, savings. And that, that really surprises me because, you know, there's, there's a lot in the whole vegan uh, lifestyle where, you know, it, it touches agriculture, it touches uh, transportation, it touches so many different things, but it's really not that high on the list. No, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot more ahead of it. Um, yeah, obviously these aren't good things on the list, but it's interesting that, you know, it's definitely one that's very, popular in terms of people talking about in terms uh, for climate but there's others ahead of it that are definitely more impactful so what is ahead of it is actually number um six which six? is yeah, yeah. Re refurbishment and renovation of homes so yeah it makes sense this is obviously for insulation and, and different things within a home to make it more efficient um yeah point eight nine five tons of CO2 equivalent per person per year. But does, does that make sense to you or does it surprise you? It surprises me. So that's actually more important than a vegan diet is, is what this list is saying. Yeah. Um, hmm, I got to think about that because a vegan diet, you're, you're, you're eating multiple times a day. And well, I, I, I guess it's all <laughs> comparing, potentially comparing apples and oranges here. But yeah, uh, it'd be hard. To, it'd be interesting to see, obviously, what their what their study is pulling in, uh, because then it it depends on how much your home as well and stuff, I guess. Right. Like it, how big your home is in terms of heating and, and cooling it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think some of these up towards if you think about it in terms of um, kind of directionally, some of the stuff in, in the second half versus the first half um, could be more of a comparison, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get to the top five then. So number five is what, Ralph? Public transport. Wow. So 0.98 uh, tons of CO2 savings per person annually. Um, if you're so, going to public transport. So yeah, it's definitely a big one that we talk about. I mean, that infrastructure just needs to be there. Um, and a lot of places, unfortunately, in this in the States, especially, uh, it's just not there. Yeah, and a lot of public transport options are uh, going towards more of the hybrid system, aren't they? Uh, some of them are already on natural gas, which uh, natural gas, it, it's, it sounds like it's super clean and everything, but there's a lot of a lot of negative things behind that as well. Um, You're talking about the buses? The buses, yes. But uh, but the buses are not the only option, right? I mean, you've you've got you've got a ton of different other options, and like in especially in cities across Europe, um, the trains and ferries and so forth, and that that will carry massive amounts of people at a time in some cases. So that's probably why it's, it's one of the reducers of carbon footprint because they can do that. Yeah. Cool. What is four? Number four is renewable energy. So this is something that is really you know near and dear to us. We've talked about it a lot on, the, on our shows. Uh, renewable energy, this is a huge jump. So we're going from public transport at 0.98 tons per person annually savings, um, if you take public transport, to renewable energies at 1.6 tons per person annually of CO2 savings. So that's a massive jump between number five and number four. Yeah, and I'm actually wondering if you know how they how they classify this, right? Because is this different than the renewable based heating, um, right? Because renewable based heating was number ten on the list. This is this is mm. four, and this is renewable energy. So maybe the heating is just the heating side of it, whereas renewable energy is the the elect you know just the electricity side of it. Um, definitely an interesting one. Um, but yeah, obviously try to try to use any type of renewables. Uh, base energy if you if you can have access to that that's a good point what about number three number three so one less long haul flight per year this is you know this is definitely a big one and and what it can it equates to 1.68 ton per year so interesting interesting comparison right because if you compare that to renewable energy right just reducing one long haul flight uh, per year is the, is the same as using renewable energy for a full year. This is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling yeah. because just, that's just one. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's probably just a one-way flight as well. Uh, or actually, it doesn't clearly say it's one way or not. But even if it's round trip, that sounds like it's pretty easy to, to do. Just avoid one trip um, and you can have all these savings. So yeah. I I continue to be... Uh, shocked that the vegan diet is so far down the, the list <laughs> in the top 10. So you're saying, so, 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 so this is saying that you can go vegan. One person can go vegan with the whole year and save uh, 0.8 tons of carbon. It's only half it, as effective as one. Exactly. Flight. Half as effective as just saving yourself from flying one long haul flight. And one long haul flight probably means cross Atlantic or, you know, across, mm -hmm. across the ocean or something. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one for, for, I think, especially for this, for like those business meetings, right? Like, I think people now are becoming a little bit more comfortable with, with doing business meetings online. It's, it's obviously never going to be the same, um, but maybe it'll, it'll help reduce 
you know, one of those flights per year for, for businesses. That's a, yeah. that's a positive outcome, right? Yeah, that's just huge. That cannot be understated because people, some people travel year round every single day. They're, they're in a different country. And then once they get back home, they travel again. So just to have this, you know, um, temporary pause of traveling, it does so much uh, for the environment. And hopefully it brings about new habits where people don't need to travel uh, because now they've been forced to have what like the largest ever work from home experiment on earth and people can can get by they i mean as as far as as far as we know you know people are still having meetings um they're just not being in person yep number two number two is battery electric car so this is nearly two tons of co2 savings per person per year uh, by switching to a battery electric car nice. not, not hybrids but the ones you actually plug in so that's awesome. Yeah, get that electric car if you're if you're driving, right? I think that's a huge one that needs to be uh, increased in in the states, especially, um, or you know, or rural more rural areas of 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 Europe that are not in cities. Yeah, it just makes a lot of sense uh, for people to to start to gear to, to you know go towards this direction of driving. Um, Drum roll, please. What is number one, John? Number one is actually forget the battery electric car. Just don't have a car at all. Live car free. <laughs> nice. So, so this is uh, this is over just just over two tons uh, of CO two savings per person per year if you don't have a car at all. So this is amazing. I mean, obviously, you know, it depends on your lifestyle, right? Like, if you're if you don't have a car and you're living in the third world country versus if you don't have a car and you're living in the suburbs of of America, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same thing, but this is just sort of the average person. That's so, um, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was, it'd be incredible to live, would live without a car. And I mean, a big part of that is, you know, it needs, there needs to be improved public transportation for that to be possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's do a quick summary of the list. The, the top five are number one, live car free two battery electric car three, one less long haul flight per year, four, using renewable energy, five, using public transportation. And on the, what, what do we have is the, the latter five, still yeah. very important. And actually, you know, obviously the, the first five um, is just good to know that, you know, these are the most important, especially around the transportation, but the latter five are, you know, also important um, and have some interesting new, new ones in here. So what, what are those? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, refurbishment, innovation. So that's number six. Number seven is a vegan diet. Number eight is heat pumps. Number nine is improved cooking equipment, which I'm just so surprised that's in the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then number 10 is a renewable based heating. So again, uh, these top 10 are the best things you can do to reduce your carbon footprint. So it's, it's not like, you know, let, let's just do away with renewable based heating because that's number 10. This is the top 10. So you should do all of these. You should do as many of these and even the top 20 and 30 even, uh, mm -hmm. whatever they may be. It's just, it's interesting to go down, to go down this list in the opposite direction and get to car free as being the number one thing you can do to reduce your carbon footprint. Um, actually, in the top five, have you realized that um, four out of the five are all transportation related? So living yeah. car free, uh, battery, electric car, uh, one less 
long haul flight, renewable energy, which is not necessarily transport related, but then public transport. So transportation is a big element of reducing your average carbon footprint. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, def- can't be can't be um, you know plugged enough that that transportation is such a big thing, um, and how we how we move around is massive in terms of carbon footprint. So it'd be better if we had better public transportation, basically. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we need to have these, um, you know, more of the adoption of um, uh, what's the next quantum d- down of uh, scooters because you got bicycles, you have scooters, segways, and it's going to get smaller and smaller, right? Like what's rollerblades? <laughs> uh, rollerblades will be the, the the next thing that will like micro <laughs> micro mobility. Yeah, or just just shoes, just walk. <laughs> right um, and that is this week's your planet news briefing i'm ralph borgen i'm john chu thanks for listening